G'day friends, welcome back. Oh my god, let's fucking go. Okay, so obviously, obviously, oh my god, obviously big spoilers, all the spoilers for part three of Obi-Wan Kenobi, you've been warned, go and watch it before you listen to this, because I'm talking about all sorts of stuff, there was some crazy shit <laughs> that happened in this episode. <laughs> Vader, not just Vader, not just him talking, not just him standing around, him Fucking breaking people's necks. Oh my god. Okay. Let's start at the start. So we're on the cargo freighter with Obi-Wan and Leia. And Obi-Wan's still... He's still searching for Qui-Gon. He's still looking for that guidance. He's he's, he's, he's meditating. He's trying to get in touch with him. We're going to see Liam Neeson at some point. It's, it's a certainty now. What I wonder is... Mm, I wonder if Vader is going to see Qui-Gon before Obi-Wan does. That'd be a neat twist. If if Vader's just chilling in his castle and Qui-Gon shows up, he's like, what the fuck are you doing? Seriously? This is how you ended up after what happened to me? Like, I think that'd be really cool. I don't know if that's going to happen, but it, it this, they, they're holding out on him talking to Obi-Wan. They're just sort of... They they haven't done it yet. We're halfway through the show now. So, I don't know. That'd be interesting. And then we see Vader. See him out of the bank to tank, getting suited up. Just, just the head, the torso. See the whole suit get put on. We see his eyes and his face just... Just that stare, just, oh, piercing, oh, man. And and there, there is definitely, while we're seeing that happen, and it cuts back and forth between him and Obi-Wan, at the, at the very end, Obi-Wan, like, says, in his mind, he's coming, Master. There is a connection made there, and it and it's continued on in a few minutes. That they're like that's not just Vader getting suited up. It's not just Obi Wan sitting there thinking about things. They are sensing each other in that moment, which is fucking awesome. And you know, we see after he's suited up, we see a bit of Vader's castle looking sick on Mustafar. James Earl Jones is back again to do the voice. God, he is a treasure, man. He's he's in his nineties now, and. Obviously, he doesn't have to do any physical acting, but man, he sounds exactly like he did 45 years ago. You know, it's it's pretty awesome. Um, 
I like how Cat actually pointed this out. It's a really good observation. When when Vader is sitting on his little throne, the inside of that room, looking out through those thin windows, it looks like you're looking out from inside his mask, which I thought was really cool. Um, we see him talk to Reva a bit. You know, he says, "Look, if you if you get this right, you can be the next." Grand Inquisitor, if you fuck it up, I'm going to kill you, which is, you know, is what's expected. And and I don't see how Reva comes out of this season alive. Um, I really don't. So, yeah, at least Vader's been real with her. He's, he's not uh, beating around the bush, that's for sure. And we cut back to Obi-Wan and Leia. They land on Mapuzo. This is the first time we're seeing this planet. Um looks pretty cool it's kind of deserty and barren and mountainous at the same time it looks really nice um before they land obi-wan fixes lola which is cute leia's little droid um she she's asking him about the force and how it works and he's got this beautiful explanation of you know imagine when you're afraid of the dark how do you feel when you turn the light on, that's what it feels like. That's what the force feels like. And I thought that was a really beautiful explanation. Um, Obi-Wan is very, very pessimistic at the moment. You know, this, this, this sort of heading to the location that Kamal Nanjiani gave them in the last episode. And he's like, oh, you know, it's, it's just up here. Unless he was lying. Ugh. And then Leia's like, oh, why would he lie? And then Obi-Wan snaps at her, like, not everyone is good. Like, just fucking settle down. I know, you, you know, I know you've been through some shit, but just relax. Stop yelling at this kid. And he, and he sort of cracks the shits a bit later on as well when they actually get there. He's like, no one's coming. Ugh. So, he's, yeah, he's being a bit of a dick. But then they're walking along this path and then Obi-Wan just sort of stops. And, like, his eyes open wide and his mouth sort of falls open and the camera, you know, tilts and, you know, zooms in and and there's this cloaked figure standing just a little ways away, just, you know, in a field. And you're like, oh, who the fuck is that? What's what's going on here? Like wearing a Jedi robe. I'm like, holy shit, who is this? Person turns, Hayden Christensen. Oh my God. Made me so happy, first of all, to just see him as him, you know, to see him as Anakin, basically. Um, but he, I thought he looked terrifying. I thought just that it, it was, it was eerie. It was creepy. The way he just turns, Obi-Wan's reaction, because I, I don't think that's a hallucination. I think this is, you know, I think there was a little connection formed when they sensed each other just before, and that was Vader just sort of following on with where Obi-Wan is, just letting him know that he's there. And I, oh man, I just, that was one of my, it was probably my second favorite moment in the whole episode that I did not expect that. I thought we might've seen him um, in a flashback, like new footage flashback, and maybe something from the Clone Wars, because I know, like, we're going to see Hayden, we're going to see Hayden's face, not all melted and makeup and all that stuff. We're going to see his face. We've seen it. I, I, now we've seen it. 
I don't know if we'll see again, maybe. I don't know. But yeah, I thought it would be a flashback to see him as whatever he was, a projection, a hallucination, whatever it was. That was fucking amazing. I love that. My mouth, my mouth fell open. I thought that was amazing. Um, and then we, then we, then we cut to the fortress Inquisitoris. This is where all the inquisitors hang out. This is their headquarters, their stronghold. Um, it looks awesome. It looks awesome. So we see Reva come in. Um, she's walking through the, that big hall. It's underwater. I thought, I thought it just all looked awesome. Uh, she meets up with the other inquisitors in like that briefing room and she's got a bit of beef now with the fifth brother you know because he wants the same thing that she wants the grand inquisitor's dead in quotation marks um and they both want his seat you know they both got the same ambition now and they have a bit of an argument and and the fifth brother just grabs her with the force i was like holy shit like sort of sort of sort of fuck's sake sort of shows you the the power dynamic there like seems like he's a good ways stronger than her at least in the force um i thought that was a pretty powerful display of strength there that he showed um and she didn't seem too phased because he does that and then she, <laughs> she goes well i just talked to lord vader without you did it all by myself and he said i can be the inquisitor if i do this thing right um yeah, I like that scene a lot. Before I move on, let's talk about all this stuff. Oh dear, with Moses Ingram. So after the first two episodes dropped last week, um, the the response has been overwhelmingly positive. Like Obi Wan's already the most streamed show on Disney Plus in its opening weekend. Um, so it's obviously enormously popular but the um the response to moses ingram from so-called star wars fans in relation to how she looks um her her the color of her skin oh it's it just makes me feel sick it makes me embarrassed i'm embarrassed to you know be connected with these people in any way to share a passion with people who say things like this. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. I, like, I don't understand how stupid people can be to, to think, oh, I don't like this, this work that you've done. Like, you know, a, a performance that you put in with lines that you didn't write and a story that you didn't write that that directly correlates to you being less than because you're black. It's just, it is so fucking upsetting and I cannot imagine how upsetting it is for her. Um, she, she was, she would have been so excited to come into this universe and she is a welcome addition. She's doing an awesome job. Moses Ingram. Um, but this is, unfortunately, it's, this is not new for this group of, as I say, so-called Star Wars fans to do this sort of thing. Um, we saw the response to Kelly Marie Tran as Rose Tico. Um, again, 
things that her character did that she had zero control over. People came after her and, you know, she left social media and it was, it was just horrible. And, you know, she wasn't afforded the luxury of all the support by, by Disney and Lucasfilm and her co-stars, you know, that, that Moses has had, um, which is a shame, but I think, I think Kelly will be happy that, you know, Moses is getting this level of support. Um, and then, you know, you can, you can go back 20 plus years. You can look at Ahmed Best as Jar Jar. The negative response to Jar Jar was transferred onto Ahmed Best, especially once social media sort of became a thing and people, you know, could voice their shitty, ill-informed opinions. Um, it got so bad for him, in fact, that he tried to take his own life only a few years ago. So luckily he's still with us and he's doing a lot better and he has posted on Instagram and stuff in support of Moses. So that's great. Um, and then you have Jake Lloyd as well, who obviously played Anakin as a child in Phantom Menace. Um, the, the way that his life went playing Anakin as a child actor is horrendous. And, you know, part of it is, is, has got nothing to do with the backlash that he received, but part of it does. So he, he, you know, he had problems with drugs. He's recently been diagnosed with schizophrenia, which I don't know if that's connected or not. I'm not sure, but he has had a bloody rough life. He's not had it easy because of you disgusting people. And yeah, I, I, I really think it's great that, you know, Disney and that have, have come out in such fierce support because they bloody should. And, and Ewan said it perfectly today. If, if you're one of these people, you, you cannot call yourself a Star Wars fan. You can't. You are not. Okay? It's like, you got to think about it. Like, what is Star Wars, right? What is, what is Star Wars made up of? All these characters of different species, different races from different planets, speaking different languages, right? If you claim to love Star Wars, right, you don't get to think this way about a black person and then go, oh, I, I, you know, I, I have zero problem with this Twi'lek character or whatever, right? Think, think about that logically in your tiny little brain. Ugh. It's, it's just a fucking shame. It is so upsetting. And I, uh, the people who have to cop this, it's, it's, I feel so bad. I feel so bad. But, you know, it seems like Moses, because, you know, she posted a video as well. And she seemed um, to have a pretty good attitude. Not a good attitude, but she seemed to be handling it as well as it can be handled. Um, and I think that comes with having a good support network around her, which I think is excellent. And the more people who speak out against these losers, um, the better, you know, if, you know, comment on, on her stuff, comment on Star Wars posts about, you know, her character or whatever, and just say, oh, loving her character, it's awesome, just throw support it, it costs nothing to just leave a comment or send a message that is just positive and filled with love it you know costs costs nothing so uh, that, that's really really disappointing 
and hopefully there is no more of it following following these upcoming episodes and hopefully it does not deter um, any actors of color or any female actors from joining the Star Wars universe because everyone is welcome. Everyone is welcome. Um, okay, let's move on. So uh, Leia and Obi-Wan arrive at the location where they're meant to meet up with this mystery person. No one's there. Obi-Wan sort of cracks the shit shits. And then Leia goes, okay, well, we're going to need someone's help to get out of here. So she just waves down this random, like, it's basically like a bus, <laughs> basically like a bus. Um, and the driver, the driver, I don't know what species he is, um, but he looks like one of those, um, those moles that we have here on earth that have like the little, the little hands on their nose. Um, I don't know what they're called, <laughs> but he kind of looks like one of them. And his name is Freck. And I like Freck a lot. He's a little bit of a bad person, but he's also a nice person at the same time. Like he sells them out. Not he doesn't sell them out at the end, but he's like, you should to the stormtroopers. You should you should suss these people out because he's a bit suspicious. But other than that, he's super friendly. And I think it doesn't matter where you align politically. If you're a friendly person, I think that's all cool. <laughs> I think that's all cool. Um, and he's voiced by Zach Braff. He, he sounds like it sounds like it's Seth Rogen or it's John C. Riley, but it's Zach Braff under there who's got a bit of um, history with Deborah Chow. They've, they've worked together, so that's how he, he got that role. But that was, it was really cool to realize that that was the, the Scrubs alum, Zach Braff, big fan. Um, they sort of drive on for a bit. Um, they, they tell him that you know their, their names are Luma and, and or Auden or something, and they're, they're farmers or you know, they're visiting family or whatever. Um, Leia is a pro-liar. Obi-Wan's like don't talk and then she does all the talking and she's just you know just rattling off answers that that fit the story and and she's doing an awesome job and it's Obi-Wan that nearly fucks it up so they drive for a little bit further and they pick up some stormtroopers and the stormtroopers are like we're looking for a Jedi do you know anything and they're just chatting away and then Obi-Wan accidentally calls her Leia and 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 the trooper goes hey you said her name was Luma and then Obi-Wan sort of thinks on his feet um, because he's pretending to be her father. He goes, oh, that was that was her mother's name. She's no longer with us. And then there is this, there's more Padme love. There's two episodes in a row where we've had some real Padme love. Um, you know, he, he pretends to be sort of making up this fake story, but, you know, he, he looks at Leia and he says, you know, just looking at her face reminds me of her mother and, I miss her greatly and it, it's, it's, oh man, just, they're trying to make me cry and they pretty much did. And I love that we've had this twice now because I think as guilty as Obi-Wan would feel about what happened to Anakin, how he ended up, I think he would feel as guilty or even more guilty about what happened to Padme. It was because, because he fucked up or at least, you know, in his eyes, he fucked up with Anakin. That directly led to her death. Right? So, oh, and, and, you know, he would he would feel... Because, you know, she was his friend as well, but the, so there's the, the guilt of her dying directly, but now, you know, Leia and Luke not having a mother, as well as not having a father, just his, his guilt and sorrow was compounded when she died 
also. Um, so I, I love that we've now had him thinking back fondly about her during his time with Leia. I think that's really lovely. Um, the, before I move on, the music, the music in in the show, over obviously Williams has returned to do the Obi Wan theme, but the score for the show, or at least I don't know if it's been the whole show. I think it has been. It's Natalie Holt, who hasn't done a whole lot, but she did Loki last year, which was beautifully scored. And God, the music in this episode in particular was just mwah, oh, Chef's kiss. It was amazing. It was awesome. And the sound design when Vader shows up later and it's quiet and it's like a horror movie. Oh, it was so good. It was so good. Um, after they they drop off the stormtroopers, Obi-Wan's talking to Leia a little bit more about, you know, when he was, you know, taken by the Jedi Order, you know, for, from his family. And he's, he's, I remember my little bits of my dad and my mum. And I remember a baby. I think I had a brother. What did you just say? Obi-Wan, you have a brother? Sorry? Where, where's that come from? Does Obi-Wan have a brother that's alive? Is that going to... What? what? Uh, I'm sorry. It was just a little throwaway line, but I, I'm, I'm completely blown away. I'm blown away. Because this is an enormous thing that they've just opened up, right? Yeah, his parents might be... I believe he's a Coruscant. Um, like, a local. Pretty sure he was born on Coruscant. Um, anyway. Um, he remembers a baby. He, th he thinks he has a little brother. A little brother? That's amazing. Because that is a character that could now show up later on. It doesn't have to be Force-sensitive or a Jedi or anything like that. They can just be a guy. But Obi-Wan maybe maybe bump, bumps into him and sort of feels something. And they look at each other. And, oh, man, what an amazing thing that could be. What an amazing thing that could be. Oh, I just love that. I love that. Because I've never in a million years thought about that. Never thought about any of the Jedi's families. Like, you see Anakin, you know, get, you know, leave Tatooine, leave his mother, but we don't get anyone else. You know, there's this animated short series that they're doing next year that's going to have Ahsoka's mom, which will be interesting, but we haven't had anyone else. So I think that's so interesting to think that Obi-Wan had not only parents, obviously he had parents, but had a brother. I think that's a whole can of worms that they could um, have opened up there. Just onto my second page of notes here. <laughs> um, so they, they're, they're on the bus and they get to this checkpoint. And this is where Freck kind of like turns them in a little bit. He's like, go check out these guys. Stormtroopers bring them out of the back of the truck bus thing. And there's a probe droid there. So everyone's like, oh, fuck. I got I to act now. And he, he destroys the probe. And he kills a bunch of stormtroopers, including including one who's like up on this tower. He shoots him. He falls off the tower, and he falls onto this like laser beam, and he gets cut in half. That was pretty cool. Not gonna lie, bro, getting sliced. Big fan of that. So they get through this checkpoint after killing everybody, and then this imperial um, transport shows up. Few troopers and this um, imperial 
captain or commander, you know, someone high ranking. It looks like they're going to kill Obi-Wan and Leia and then the um, their, their captain or whatever shoots the troopers and this character's name is Tala and she's with the with the rebels or, you know, or she's just helping Jedi. She's a, she's a goodie, right? Um, so she's, she's the one they were meant to meet. Now, I find this super interesting because she's effectively what she's doing is she's running an under, underground railroad for Jedi. This is basically what she's doing. Yeah. So that raises the question. How did Kamal Nanjiani know to send them to her? How does he know about her? Unless he is a Jedi who was who escaped through this underground railroad that they've got to this planet where they get new identities and all that shit. Unless he went through that system, how does he know about her? He was a Jedi or is or whatever. I'm telling you, right? He has got the best cover story of them all. A guy pretending to be a Jedi as a con who is in fact an actual Jedi. Trust me, right? I I grow more and more sure of this every day that passes. (laughs) Every day. Um, so yeah, Tala's really cool. She's helping them out. They, they're they sort of escaping into this tunnel system through the back of this like droid wreck shop. Uh, and there's a droid that's working in there named Ned. And Ned is a fucking badass. And I cannot wait to see Ned fuck some dudes up because they're all like hiding in a panic room that's connected to a tunnel. And Ned's out in the shop sort of dealing with these stormtroopers that come in. And they come in the door and they're walking around the shop and, and these, uh, he's, he's called a, um, a loader, a loader droid, and they don't speak. Um, their job is not to communicate in any way. So why program that? So the troopers are just sort of walking around. They try to talk to him and then they realize it's not going to work. And the whole time he is holding in a clenched fist, a hammer behind his back. This is Ned, the droid. He is totally prepared to cave in this stormtrooper's head, if necessary, right? So I think we're going to see him fuck some dudes up at some point because he was he was ready. <laughs> He's holding it, and then we, there's a shot of his fist wrapping firmly around that hammer when the stormtrooper sort of gets in his face. He's like, oh, you are going to get bludgeoned to death by this droid. Oh, big fan of Ned. Big fan. And I like that he sort of helped Obi-Wan at the end, so we're going to see him in the next episode. Big fan of Ned. Um, yeah, I think the whole idea of this underground railroad, really, really cool. It's a cool idea and it makes sense. And they're in this sort of room that they're waiting in that's connected to this system of tunnels, which they're going to use to get to the port to get out. And there's all these messages carved into the walls from other Jedi that have been there, that have gone through this route. And Obi-Wan sees one written by Quinlan Voss, which is a nice little, um, callback. He's in the Clone Wars. He's in... He's in graphic novels and books and shit, um, but he's sort of a, he's like a cool Jedi. He's a Jedi that doesn't, doesn't play by the rules, likes to do his own thing. Um, you know, he's, he's a really cool character, Quinlan Voss, and I, and I believe it was known that he survived Order 66. When, when I heard his name, I was like, yeah, that's, that's right, isn't it? He survived, like, it didn't surprise me. Um, and, and, and Tala said that he's been specifically helping, um, younglings 
get out, which I think is really cool. Um, I'd love it if he showed up. I think that'd be awesome. Um, to see Quinlan Voss in this show would be really cool. Um, but yeah, he's he's a he's definitely a super cool Jedi. If you're not familiar, um, there's there's Clone Wars episodes where he features. You can give him a Google. Really cool Jedi. Um, right when they're about to leave, they're about to head off into this tunnel. Same shit happens again. The camera tilts. Obi-Wan like grabs his head. He leans over. He's like, oh, what the fuck? It's because Vader's there. He's arrived. He's on the planet. And this is where, oh my God, it just gave me goosebumps thinking about it. This is where the episode and the show goes to another level. This is what we've been waiting for, right? So this is the first of two confrontations we're going to have in this show between Vader and Obi-Wan. And this is a great little teaser for, I think, for what I think is going to be an epic battle at the end of the show. So he shows up. All the Inquisitors are there as well, but they're just chilling back because he's obviously told them, don't fucking do anything, don't touch anything. This is me, right? I'm going in there. I'm going to get him, yeah? He's walking down this main street and everyone's like cowering in their windows and behind shit and he just starts fucking killing people. He grabs this shop owner in a, in a force choke and he just holds him there and holds him there until his kids come out and then he just breaks this guy's neck. I think it's the guy, I think it's the shop owner's son. He runs out, he force pushes him into a wall and then he just, like that, just turns his hand and he breaks this guy's neck. He just kills him. No force choke, no nothing, just immediate. And when that happened, because we've seen Vader force choke people a thousand times. It's still cool to see, but we've seen it a thousand times. When he just breaks this guy's neck, I was like, Oh my God, I could not believe that they did that. This is, this is the Vader that we've all wanted for decades. We see it for like 20 seconds in Rogue One, him just being fucking badass and ruthless. That little end scene in Rogue One is a little slice of what we're getting here. And I just, oh... I think it is so fitting that he's just happy to kill civilians. I think he kills three people. That first guy that he force chokes, I don't think he survives. Obviously, the guy whose neck he breaks doesn't survive. And then there's a woman who he force chokes and then drags through the dirt. I'm pretty sure she dies as well. And, oh, man, it is just... I was actually scared. I was a little bit scared. Because Obi-Wan's like, he, he stays back while the, while the girls get away and he's going to try and deal with it. And he's looking at Vader around a corner. Oh, man. And Vader's like walking through the street. You hear his breathing and there's music building and then everything goes quiet. And oh, man, God, it, it was just an amazing, tense sequence. My heart was beating out of my chest because of the palpable tension in that scene. Amazing. And and we did, we got three more episodes of Vader. Oh, amazing. Just fucking awesome. It, it was like, oh God. Like there's the, the end of Rogue One, there's the end of, if you, if you haven't played it yet, this is a spoiler. The end of Jedi Fallen Order, Vader shows up. It's just, it gives you chills. He's such, there there is so much that comes with his character appearing on screen. There is so much extra emotion already attached to the whole image that is Vader. It's been around forever, but 
Oh, man, it was just amazing. Um, so Obi-Wan sort of runs out of the town to get Vader to follow him. He runs out of the town and Vader catches up to him. He catches up to him. And then there's a little bit of sort of cat and mouse. Obi-Wan finally lights his lightsaber, you know, when it comes time for him to defend himself. I don't know what they're doing with the saturation, but my God, the glow from his lightsaber was way too blue. It was so blue. Everything nearby it was just so blue. (laughs) It was was like the, the red of Vader's saber looked normal. There was a normal amount of red glow. But like the front of Obi-Wan, when he had the lightsaber look, the lightsaber lit, he looked like a smurf. <laughs> it was it was crazy. I don't know if that's like, you know, for the, so the fights look really clear or just look really cool. But yeah, it was it was a little bit jarring for a second there. I'm not going to lie. Um, and then he's, he's, he's standing down, Vader. He goes, what have you become? And Vader says, I am what you made me. Oh, oh, that's brutal. Oh, that's brutal. I love it, but that's brutal. <laughs> oh, man. So they have their little fight, and, and, and Vader is... At this stage, Vader is... like the, When we're talking power levels, Vader's got him covered easily because Vader's just been getting more powerful over the last 10 years, whereas Obi-Wan has been getting less powerful over the last 10 years. So... Um, Vader's, Vader's much, much more powerful at this stage. Um, and the only reason that Obi-Wan survives is because Vader doesn't want to kill him. He doesn't, whether he legitimately wants to take him in for questioning. Do you know about other Jedi? You know, what else can you tell us? Or the, or it's the Anakin that's still in there that won't let him kill him. I think it's that. I think it's that second thing I just said. Um, so right at the end of the fight, Vader gets this big fire going. He grabs Obi-Wan and Obi-Wan can't do a fucking thing. He grabs him in a force choke and he just holds him in the fire. The, this show is not like, this show isn't fucking around. This is not like, oh, fun for the whole family. <laughs> this is, he grabs Obi-Wan and he just holds him in an enormous roaring fire and Obi-Wan can't do a thing. And, and you know, that's all, that's Vader just being like, Oh, I'm all vengeance. You did this to me. I'm going to do it to you. I'm hatred. I'm all of that. And you can hear Obi-Wan screaming. God, it's, it's so dark and so powerful. And just, um, he doesn't do it for that long. Does it for 10 15 seconds, and then he just, with one little force push, he puts out the entire fire, which is pretty sick. Um, and then the stormtroopers are about to grab Obi-Wan so they can take him wherever they're going to take him. And then Tara, uh, Tara, Tala shows up, um, starts shooting them. When she shoot, when she snipes the first one, he drops, and there's a, an amazing shot, an amazing shot. This is, this is probably my favorite single moment in the episode. She shoots him and every single stormtrooper goes, what was that? And like, they all spin around in unison and aim their guns at her. But Vader doesn't move a muscle. It's in the same frame. So all the stormtroopers around him all spin to look at where the shot came from. He does not take his eyes off of Obi-Wan. 
because he's like, I'm not in danger. <laughs> if someone tries to shoot me, I'll just either block it or I'll catch it or whatever. And oh man, it's it's so badass. It's the most like it's so subtle, but it's probably the most badass thing he does in the whole episode. Because he just he's he's unflappable. It's like oh, a little blaster like does not concern me in the least. I just oh man, I love that. I love that moment. Um, as as the um so the fire gets started again, and Ned and Tala rescue Obi-Wan, they get him out of there and the stormtroopers are sort of running around. Oh, what do we do? While all this is happening, Vader is just standing there. There's this extended shot on him where he's just standing there. He's letting Obi-Wan get away. He's just standing there and I don't know if we're meant to know what he's thinking. I don't think so, but it might be up for interpretation. It might be expanded on in episodes to come. I don't know. But it looked to me like he was feeling serious remorse. He was standing there thinking about what he'd just done. It's like, oh, I just, you know, and that was Anakin again in there. He just, he he took Obi-Wan and held him in a fire, which is so fucked up. It's so fucked up. And I think that's what he was thinking. I think that's why he sort of took that extended pause, just sort of stood there. Like, what's he thinking about? I think he felt bad. You know, Anakin's still in there. He doesn't want to be doing this. Vader and Anakin, you know, whether whether you think of them as the same person or two different personalities or Anakin died and became Vader, so like ne- never coexisting, whatever you think, they are both at their core. They're both good people, Right. Anakin was manipulated and twisted and all and all of this and, and became this this monster who who by the time he was you know Vader in the suit Vader he'd already he'd killed Jedi masters he'd killed children he was too far gone yeah so now at this point where he is with Vader he is doing bad things because it's you know what he's what his job is you know he's doing it to do it but he's also doing it i think because he feels he has to he's like oh this is where i'm at now and excuse me my favorite line in all of star wars is in return of the jedi when luke and vader are talking and you know they're both trying to convince convince the other to join them and vader says it's too late for me son just as a dad talking to his son, and he's, he's basically saying, I would like to come and join you, but I'm too far gone. And and that is the case for Vader throughout the entire part of his life where he is Vader. He doesn't want to be doing this, but he just sort of has to, or he feels he has to, because he's so far gone. And I wonder if that's what's happening here. You know, he doesn't want to kill Obi-Wan. He doesn't want to. Obi-Wan's the best friend he's ever had. And, and, you know, he, he doesn't want him to die. And that's why he doesn't unleash his full capability during that fight, because he doesn't want to kill him. He doesn't want to. Um, maybe he's hoping that he can capture him and maybe one of the Inquisitors can do it or they can get information. And I don't know what his intentions are. Um, but he doesn't want to kill him. And you can sort of, you can see that, that inner turmoil when he takes that long pregnant pause um 
and then we we sort of we cut to Leia running through the tunnel. She's trying to meet up with this mystery pilot who's meant to take her somewhere. She gets there and he's dead because Reva, I guess, somehow <laughs> beat her there. I don't know how. I don't know how Reva knew the layout of the tunnels or whatever, but she beat Leia there somehow. <laughs> um, and this pilot, I thought the pilot was going to be someone that we knew, um, but it's not. <laughs> it's just not. Um, th- is it interesting? Like, the guy is dead there on the floor. Do his eyes open? Just a little bit? What's going on there? Do his eyes, like, sort of, like, they're shut? Do they then open just a little bit? That's what it looked like to me. I don't know. I thought that was really strange. Um, so, yeah, Reeve is probably going to take Leia. Leia runs off back through the tunnel, um, but you think Reeve will catch her. And that's the end of the episode. We got we only have three to go. We're halfway already. Oh, not a whole lot of theories to come out of this episode, um, other than... I'm more and more certain that Kamal Nanjiani is in fact a Jedi. Um, I'm, I'm wondering if Vader is going to see Qui-Gon before Obi-Wan does. Um, and, I, and I'm super intrigued about the comment um, about Obi-Wan having a brother. That intrigues me enormously. But yeah, best episode of the three, easily. Um, it, it was amazing. I, I felt so many emotions. This is exactly what I wanted the show to be. It is, it is met or exceeded expectations at every single moment. Deborah Chow, you, you are you are a legend. I know there's three episodes to go, but even if they're just as good as what we've already had, legendary. Amazing. All right. Let me know what you guys thought of the episode. Um Let's let's try very hard to not have a repeat of the social media backlash that we had last week, please. Um, yeah, let me know what you're thinking of the show. Let me know what your theories are. Um, remember to like and subscribe and comment and do all that stuff. Tell your friends. If you've got other friends that are into Star Wars, say, hey, I listen to this podcast. He talks about Star Wars. He's super articulate. He's got good ideas and he's really handsome. <gasps> you should have a listen. Uh, and I will catch you guys next Wednesday for part four. Bye.